Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian investment advisor, financial planner, and coach, Bob Barber. Welcome to today's podcast. This is Bob Barber, along with my helper, Bailey Thieker. All right. Hi, Bailey. How are you today? Doing well. How are you, Bob? Well, you know, it was fun. This is the second podcast you're going to help me with. I'm trying to figure out exactly what we call you. You're like the person that is listening and thinking, okay, I got this question I want to ask. So we do, do we call you the question person? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional question asker. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, again, if you didn't hear the last podcast, I'd invite you to go back and, and listen to that one. By the way, that was a really interesting podcast I made that was on residential real estate. And is it really the great investment we all think it is? I want you to say what you did on the last one, because somebody might not have heard that. What was the reason you thought that we ought to just make them right here instead of me always interviewing somebody else? Yeah, well, since coming out of the team, I've, I've had the chance to, to listen to several of your podcasts. I mean, you have what, over... 80 out now. And so I've listened to a lot of them. And, and after listening to them, you know, there's so much good content on there. But then just being around the office with you, I hear you come up with ideas all the time. I hear you talk about things. And I feel like I'm just a sponge just absorbing all this information and things I didn't know. Don't absorb too much because there's a lot of craziness up here too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, but, yeah. but as I was listening, when we were trying to schedule some more people. I just thought, you know, Bob, why, why are you asking so many people all these questions? Why isn't somebody sitting down and asking you these questions? I mean, you've been in the finance business for how long now? Over 30 years. For yeah, 30 so, years. <laughs> I mean, I started with real estate investing from 1984 to uh, 1992. Wow. And then entered into the, the full financial services in 1992 because I, quite frankly, I got bored with real estate. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the finance side of things. And you know, and it's really interesting before we get into today's topic, which this has to do with today's topic, learning about money and how money operates is kind of a game and learning how to play that game properly because money is a tool, like a game or a tool. You got to learn how to use money. And as a kid, can you guess my, what my favorite game was? It was Monopoly. <laughs> it was. I loved Monopoly. I would usually just pretty much whip up on my yeah, competition. Just annihilate people. They're like, what are, you, what are you doing to me? But I guess there was just a knack I had. And I always understood how money worked, even from the time I was 14 to 15 years old. And my brother and I were buying a few homes and fixing them up back then. We didn't realize fixer-uppers were big back, you know, this is before HGTV or anything. <laughs> so I've always been of the entrepreneurial spirit and believe strongly in free enterprise and understanding how money works. And that's what this podcast is about, is teaching people how money works. And today, we're going to talk about all the, the phases, the life phases of financial planning, which is really taking the tools, because there's a lot of tools available to see how that works. Yeah. And how does that apply to these different phases of life? You know me, I love God's Word. Most people don't realize that Jesus spoke more on stewardship and how we handle money than he did on heaven and hell combined. And all you got to do is just open up and just start looking at, you know, from the, how the widow gave her last mite 
that'd be maybe pennies today, but it was everything she had and how that meant more than a rich ruler just giving a small percentage to the parable of the talents, to the the way you hired somebody. And then, you know, you hired the three people and at the end, the, the guy came in at the end, they got the same pay as the guy at the first, at the beginning of the day. So there's just so much in God's word. I am a Proverbs nut, as you know, too. I love the book of Proverbs. Yeah, and I think that that's, Something that makes this really unique is that like I've heard a lot of people talk about money throughout the years, but you bring in this perspective of not only having been in the financial business for 30 plus years, but but having done it from the wisdom of God's word. And that's a really unique place to look at the world around us and look at, the, at money and our finances. I mean, I don't feel like like most of us, that's the approach we take. And so I'm just excited to learn from that perspective. You know, the book of Proverbs, if you just follow the book of Proverbs and do everything it says, your, your financial world will be in order. And I'm not a big prosperity theologist guy, okay? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't claim it and speak it and all that. Mm-hmm. But if you follow it, you will be financially secure and safe because it's given us wisdom and how to operate our finances. It's just all through Proverbs. Consider the ant. It stores its provision in summer, and it gathers its food at harvest, and that's what it says in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. By the way, it says, consider the ant, you sluggard. It's kind of funny how it says that. But it's really about building cash reserves. And in Genesis 41, when Joseph came to Pharaoh, and he said, hey, interpret these dreams for me. What does this mean? He says, take a fifth of the harvest and save it up for seven years. That's 20%, by the way. A fifth is 20%. So take 20% of what you're making and save it up for the famine when it comes about. So that's talking all about cash reserves. And then the parable of talents is talking about investing and, and then debt. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched out from under you. I'm not saying debt's bad, all bad, but if you lack the means to pay, your bed will be snatched out from under you. So throughout scripture is written about how to handle money wisely. And it's been proven over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Wow, we could talk all day just about that. We could. We could. We got this subject we want to get to today. And it's really about the life phases that all of us go through. I took some scriptures. You would say, hey, Bob, what's some good scriptures to start today with? And if you've been listening to my podcast, you've heard me say this when, especially during COVID time, there's a time for everything. There's a time to tear down, time to build up, et cetera. Because what we're going through right now, we'll come out of it. There's always going to be tough times, and, and then there's going to be good times, and then there'll be tough times again. But Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2 said, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, see, this is the foundation for today. Because the foundation for today, when we talk about the phases of life, is there is different seasons in life. And you need wisdom to get through these different phases. Proverbs 15.22 is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And that really speaks to, we need one another. We are not to go this alone. Over in Ecclesiastes, it talks about that a quarter of three strands is not easily broken. Pity the man that has no one to watch his back. So we need one another, which really speaks into these phases that we're going to talk about in financial planning and seeking good advice. Yeah. So as an advisor, Bob, I've said this to you before, but um, you really do serve as as a shepherd to the people that you 
are an advisor to. I mean, you really are, are walking with them really closely through kind of all the stages of life and of financial planning. And so I just feel like you have a really unique perspective as you've as you've walked with them and shepherded them. And and like I said, it's it's unique also in that you're not just guiding them to making good financial decisions. You're guiding them to make biblically wise and God honoring financial decisions. And I just think that's that's just like awe inspiring to me <laughs> um, that that that's a possibility that we can make decisions in our finances that do honor the Lord um, at every stage of life. And so I'm excited to hear as you just go over what each stage of life looks like and then how do we do that? How do we honor the Lord in each stage of life and how do we walk in biblical wisdom in all of those stages too? I'm so honored when you told me that the other day. I heard you say that, and it really hit me deep in my soul when you said, Bob, you're like a shepherd to so many of your clients. You consider more like your congregation, don't you? And like your family. And I said, I do. When I was 14 years old, I had a calling on my life that I thought God was going to make me into a pastor. I mean, I thought I was going to become a pastor for a while. I really did. And and I remember my dad taking me up to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and sitting on the Old Roberts University campus and talking to my dad. And my dad was like, if you want to be a minister, I'm, I'm fully behind you. But for some reason, God did not take me. I was so close on that path. But everybody who's ever known me knows I, lo- I love the Lord. And so he kept me in the financial realm for a reason. And yes, I do consider this as a ministry. It's a calling. In prayer, I feel like all financial decisions for a Christian are also spiritual decisions and that every financial decision needs to be prayed about. And that Psalms 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Therefore, if he says everything, that means my vehicle belongs to God. That means my home belongs to God. That means my investment accounts belong to God. My bank accounts belong to God. How am I taking care of it? Where am I putting it? So that's where we get into the values based investing. That's so good. That's so good. And you you are a pastor. I mean, and I, I love that because I think that when God did, like gave people the call of, of being a pastor, that takes so many different shapes and forms. I mean, even just as a father, fathers are are the shepherds and pastors within yes. their families. And That's so, right. Um, and I love having come on this team just two months ago. I've watched the way that you engage our clients and the way that the whole team engages our clients that when there's a loss in their family, um, we're there. I mean, we show up for those people because they are considered family to you. Um, or when there's a new baby in the family or when there's something, there's a marriage happening or something exciting, you're all in, you're there. And so in every way, I feel like you just get to walk alongside people the way that Jesus did. Like you get to walk with people and guide them through all the stages of life. Well, that's why, you know, 58 years old, I've been doing this for, you know, 30 years. I've had people say, are you ever going to retire? I don't retire from ministry. (laughs) So as long as the Lord allows me to do this, and I know old financial guys, they just keep going and going. And, you know, there's that famous guy named Warren Buffett, everybody knows. And I don't know how old Warren is. He's got, I mean, he's got to be 85 or 90 years old (laughs) and he's still going. And, and so I want to keep doing this. Ron Blue, who I've had his interviews on the podcast many times. I think he's 78 now is what he said the other day. And, you know, he started Kingdom Advisors about 12 or 13 years ago. And is now the fastest growing Christian organization for joining Christian financial planners together around the nation. And it's I can't wait to take you one of them. You and, and some of the new staff that have come on and some of the old staff that we go because it's amazing. We better get to the day's subject. So <laughs> there are phases. There's many different phases in financial planning. 
you'll notice what I did here is I broke this down by you know phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. Phase one, I think that kind of fits you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm about 26, so I, I'm I think I'm at the beginner stage of almost everything in life. <laughs> but for sure, what does that look like for for the beginners in their financial planning life? Well, phase one, I put in the bracket of 20 to 39 years old. But there's so many things that, that change. And that's, so that's 19 years. In these phases, the first phase is 19 years. The next one's 22. And then the next one's 25 years. And the last phase is 12. During that first phase, like where you are right now in the beginning, is you're really about building the foundation. Mm-hmm. If you have college debt, a lot between your age and 35, 36 years old, they got a lot of college debt. They got to get out of that debt. And many of them want to get out of that debt before they start families. So we've got to look at that. We've got to come up with a plan to remove that college debt as quickly as possible and then start building cash reserves at the same time in savings. Because if you don't build the cash reserves in savings and you don't start that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get yourself in credit card debt. I've seen younger in this beginning phase, they'll get in credit card debt. They can get in all kinds of credit card debt in just six months. And it takes them six years to get out of it. So don't buy today what you can't pay in the next 45 days because the credit card's going to come in. They used to ask me, I remember all the time, you want to apply for a credit card so you can get a 10% discount. Mm -hmm. Don't ask Bob Barber that because uh, (laughs) you may get a little bit of a sermon, not too much. And later, let's say around 30, 35, is that once you've gotten out of that college debt and you're starting to build that foundation in cash reserves, you want to start thinking about investing actually at this age. There's what's called the rule of 72. And the rule of 72 is you divide the rate of return into it, and that's how often something will double in value. So as an example, you take, if you're making 6% on average return in a, say, a balanced growth fund, in 12 years, if you put $1,000 in, that's going to double to 2000 And then another 12, it would double to 4000 Then another 12, it would double to eight. All right? But you're putting in a lot more than $1,000. You know, say 10. 10 goes to 20. 20 goes to 40. 40 to 80. 80 to 160. 160 to 320. So the earlier you start with that, think of the double at the end. When you go from 160 to 320 or 320 to 640000 or 640000 to 1280000 I know you're going, how are you doing this in your head? It's math. <laughs> yes. So, But it's those last doubles. But the last doubles will come sooner if you start sooner. So the later you wait, procrastination is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. It's costly to the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars per month. And that's that beginning stage. Even if you're just investing $25 a week. You know me, I, I love Dave Ramsey too. I've taught Dave Ramsey a lot. And he talks about that. At this beginner stage, I would encourage everybody to go through a Dave Ramsey course. I've taught that many times at my church, and that's a great, great course. And he's a good Christian brother. By the way, I've met him several times. He comes to our Kingdom Advisors conferences. But along with this phase, you're getting out of college, you're, you're building your foundation, you're building your cash reserves, you're starting investing in a retirement plan, you get married. Now, how long have y'all been married? We've been, we're going on five years. Five years. You started younger then. <laughs> yeah. Than today's m- most people yeah. your age. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I have three daughters and one is married and the youngest is 26. <laughs> so during that, you know, between 20 and 39, you're seeing the marriage happen. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the start of a family usually during that point. Everybody starts later now. I mean, <laughs> Rachel and I, we had all three of our daughters by the time we were 31. 
And, and, I'm late. And, <laughs> I need to get going. Uh, yeah. No, well, you do what you need to, but I sure do need you here as an office manager too, and to help me with the podcast. And you know, you and that's during that time too is when you're going to usually buy your first home, mm-hmm. between that twenty and, and thirty nine phase. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know that um, in this stage of life that I'm in, that feels that can feel like a lot. That can feel like a mountain of things that we kind of have to get going and. And for me, that can feel kind of overwhelming. And so I would imagine for a lot of our listeners who are in that first beginner stage, they might feel a little overwhelmed too. And so Bob, from your years in the business and also from having three kids who are now all adults, what is the piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to that beginner stage of life? You don't eat an elephant all at one time. (laughs) So start with one small thing. Start with $10. Start with $25. Don't think you have to start with $150 or $200. Little bits at a time, little pieces. Eventually, those pieces will add up. I encourage everyone, if if you're not saving anything towards cash reserves and you you say, well, I just don't have any money to do that. Well, try saving $15 a week. And then once you get used to that and set that up systematically, then go to 25, then go to 35. And you'll start saying, you know, I'm saving, but I've also noticed I'm not going to Starbucks anymore and having that $4 or $5 cup of coffee that I can make at home for 30 cents. (laughs) Sure. it's things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so encouraging and helpful. And, you know, as soon as I came here, I feel like a a guppy in the ocean (laughs) in the financial (laughs) world because, you know, they really just don't teach you this kind of thing in school growing up. Um, And so I wish, you know, now I'm 26, I wish that I would have heard these kinds of things when I was 18 so that I could prepare. But I'm excited that I get to hear about the next stage of life now when I'm 26. So what is the exactly. next stage after this? And one? you're so young. You're Okay, I'm sorry, but you are. I mean, our listening audience is going, yeah, she's 26. She's young. <laughs> so it's good you're hearing that now because you're going to be so far ahead of somebody that just waited and they started to their 40 or 45. Because the number one reason for financial failure, the number one reason is procrastination. And I have done an entire podcast on procrastinating because you can put it off. It's so easy to put it off. But phase two, so you think phase one is hard? You wait to phase two (laughs) because you think it's going to get better. Well, I'm going to start saving me, you know, until I'm older and things open up. All right. So then what happens in phase two, you think you can because your income is going up. But phase two is that, that point from 40 to 62 years old. That's 22 years, and so much is happening during that time. This is the most expensive time of your life, without a doubt. The kids are coming on board. During this time, the kids are getting older. You're needing a larger home. I remember us. We had the Suburban and the minivan, and we had the larger cars, and now we're driving, you know, we're driving little bitty sport utility vehicles. <laughs> you know, you can't get more than four people in our car now, but the Suburban, you know, you could put nine. Yeah. And, and I remember the family trips and we sent our kids to Christian schools. So you had mortgage debt, you had larger home, you had larger cars. Those, the babies and the toddlers, the toddlers and the children, the children and the teenagers. Mm-hmm. Teenagers start getting 16, 17 years old. We have three. Get the one that turns 16 or 17. Hey, it'd be nice to get another car and she can help cart around the other two. Because Rachel was acting as taxi mom. So... We got them in private school. Now we're buying another car. Now we're paying for insurance. 
And then the 16 gets 18 and 19. Then what happens? And we wanted to send ours to college. And we wanted to send them to good Christian schools. So I sent Jenna all the way up to Liberty University. And then Geraldine's two years, two and a half years behind her. I sent her to Biola. Oh, my goodness. So I got one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And then JC, our youngest, and she's going to San Antonio Christian Schools. So I've got all this going on. There's three cars at one point, each one in college. And I'm like, how am I going to pay for this? Mm -hmm. Somehow the Lord helped me pay for it. And we were able to pay for 100% of our oldest two. The, The third one didn't want to go through college, and that's okay. Because college is not for everybody. Amen. But we got them through without any debt because I did wow. not want them having any college debt. Praise God. You know, but that is such an expensive time of your life. And remember, those daughters, what do they do? They go get married. They go get married. So, you know, we had Jenna get married during that time. So we're paying for college. We're paying for married. They're starting to leave the home. Now, during that phase, when they all leave the home and you're done with college, there's a huge pay raise. I'm sure. So... You start saying, I got to catch up on retirement now and I'm going to plug it in. So you're really accumulating. That is the accumulation stage. I'm 58 now and I can tell you, I don't, I have a lot of energy. It's not a lot of people say at 58, I have more energy than a 20 year old, but you should have seen me when I was 20. (laughs) But, but, um, you know, you start getting more, you start getting tired and and your friends, they start retiring around 55, 56, 57. They've been working for maybe some oil companies. I got i got some friends that worked for Dow Chemical during my junior high and high school years. I was down in Lake Jackson. They're all getting these pensions, and they're, mm-hmm. they're retiring at 55, 56, 57 years old. You're like, huh. So that's phase two. So we got phase one and phase two, and then we go into the third one. Wow. That is a lot of things in that one stage of life. That's a lot of things. It's a tremendous amount. <laughs> That's a lot of things. And I wonder. That's why it wears you out. Because <laughs> in that first stage of life, it felt like, I, I know, it feels like all your friends get married kind of at the same time. And then everybody starts having kids right around the same time. So I would imagine in that second stage of life, as you see people start to retire, is there a little bit of like retirement envy of, oh, I, I want to be there? <laughs> <laughs> you just know, what am I doing in my head it's right just now? shaking your head yes. up and down. There is, there is retirement envy. Except I feel such a calling, like we talked about at the beginning of the program. There's such a calling in my life to do this. I know this is where God wants me. I wake up every day with a lot of energy because this is what God wants me to do. And I feel like he wants me to do this to the day I die. You sometimes, what do you, you tell everybody what, what you say to me all the time. I say, go home, take a nap. And what I tell you? You say, I'll rest when I'm dead. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to fix to go to Colorado for two or three weeks. And, and I do that every summer. We go up there and see our clients up there. And um, I, I'll take some rest. Yeah. But it, but you saw my schedule this morning. You're like, what are you doing? I'm like, we go hiking constantly. Yeah, so. it's just packed full completely. So, Bob, in that second stage of life, what would you say? Um, because there are so many things. What would you say is the number one thing that gets neglected by people that they just kind of forget to do that thing in that second stage of life? Hmm. Boy, that is a really good question, and you threw me on that one. The number one thing that gets neglected during that phase is, is probably thinking about themselves. I mean, I'm, I don't want to think selfishly, but they're thinking so much about the kids that they forget you've got to think about yourselves as well, and you've got to recharge. You think about it's hard to continually give, give, give when you don't recharge some yourself, and that's why we need a Sabbath, right? We need sabbaticals. 
to recharge in that phase. I don't see that. And they're paying so much towards, you know, wanting to give their children that college education and wanting to give their children everything that they forget about themselves. I also see a number one thing during this phase from the beginning of having children, even all the way through, I'm amazed at how many people don't have their estate plan in order. And we're going to get into all the financial phases. We may have to do a second part of this because I'm not, you know, <laughs> because I, or else somebody's going to have to listen to this podcast over two or three days because there's so much just talking about the phases. And then we're going to get into talking about all the different pieces of financial planning that fits into all these phases, which there's about 20 different pieces, which is so exciting today because with technology and we use it here, financial planning is different than I've ever seen it. It's technology run. It's very integrative, interactive, constantly being updated. It's not like the old plan where we gathered information, we generated the plan, we printed out the plan, put it in a nice binder and say, here, this is your plan. You got to follow it. Now it's living and breathing. So financial planning has totally changed over the past five to six years. I mean, 100% change. And I love the change today. Wow. Wow. Well, so those two first stages of life, I love the scripture that you read at the very beginning in James, or, or sorry, in Ecclesiastes that says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. I feel like that first stage of life is really just like you're barely getting roots. And then the second stage of life is like you're you're growing. This is the planting stage, the planning stage. And so you're planning a lot for these last two stages you of are. life. And you so are. what do those look like? And if you don't plant, you're not going to have anything to harvest, are you? Yeah. The third phase is between the ages of 62 and 87 is where I've seen this. And you realize I've worked with all these phases of people. And I understand these phases so well after doing this for 30 years, you understand what they're going through in these phases. And this is where I call it the graduate. <laughs> you're graduating from your main job and you're either going back as part-time, maybe as a consultant, I've seen this a lot, or you're totally retiring. And we call these retirement years. And, and this is when the grandkids come along, which can, by the way, can do no wrong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, but when they do wrong, you just hand them back and say, okay, you're going back to mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, my little grandson, I just like, he gets anything he wants. Cause I love my grandparents. They did the same thing with me. I know, I know we spoil them, but that's, you know, if I, like we always said, if we knew grandkids were this great, we'd have had them first, but it's probably because <laughs> we have wisdom there. And then this phase, you're no longer planting. You're no longer in the accumulation stage. Now you may still be in that accumulation stage from 62 to 70, but somewhere in here, you're no longer accumulating, but instead you're in the harvest, you're, you're in the withdrawal stage. You're mm -hmm. taking money from what you've built up because quite frankly, you get pretty tired. Sure. You want to have time for the grandkids. This is also a time of the life where you may be looking at the larger home you had when all the family was there and say, you know, we want to travel. And in the beginning years of retirement, I call those the go-go years. <laughs> you're go, 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 go. You want to travel, you want to get the RV, um, you know, Mary Jo that was doing my podcast with me before, you, you know, she retired, they bought the RV and they're in that RV right now, mm -hmm. touring Colorado, Wyoming, South Dakota, all that area, you know, wow, and living the dream. Yeah, they're living the dream. They are. 
that's during that go-go phase. And that's the beginning phase of retirement. And then there's a, the next phase is called the slow go. You slow down. You're not, you know, you're like, I've done it all. I just kind of want to stay home. And then the last one is no go. <laughs> but you've got to have those assets to live on. You're possibly downsizing to a smaller home. I've seen that a lot because you're not going to be there as much. Or you just don't want the maintenance and the costs associated with the big home. Another thing that happens, though, during this phase, this graduate phase of 62 to 87, I've seen this a lot, unfortunately, is this is where the loss of a spouse many times comes along. Now, during any of these phases, a loss of a spouse can come along. But this is the phase where I see it the most. And many times it's suddenly we come alongside. I've done a whole podcast on the loss of a spouse. I understand what you're going through from the perspective of I've seen others. I have not lost my spouse. My spouse did have cancer a couple of years ago and we were, it was a pretty scary time, mm-hmm. but we put our faith in God and right now she's all clear, you know, yeah. but I would praise God either way because God is on the throne and I love him in the good times and bad times. But during this time when a husband or wife loses their spouse, it can be so difficult because this is in the middle of the time where they wanted to do so many things together. And many times you've been married, like Rachel and I, you know, I'm 58, we've been married 35 years. We're like two peas in a pod. We do everything together. We understand each other. And we really are looking forward to that phase, except Rachel saying, Bob, you're not going to retire because you would drive me crazy. <laughs> anyway, I will slow down some though. Okay. So that's, that's phase three. Sure. Yeah, I know my parents bought an RV too, and they're just getting to that stage of life. My mom has retired, but my dad hasn't. And they bought an RV and they're starting to travel around and things too. And and they're considering moving into the RV. And I said, you can't sell our family house. <laughs> they said, but you're never that, here. That's exactly <laughs> what our children, they were, uh, our, I know our children are grown adults now. You know, we, um, we moved from the home that they were raised in. We didn't downsize much, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen your house. It's you know, beautiful. But but we did we do have less bedrooms. We, we the way that we structured it was like Rachel's got her own office. I have my own office and, and things like that. But yeah, they're like you can't sell that house. <laughs> you know, but we did. Yep. But they're getting over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's that last final stage of life? That last final stage is what I call the handoff, and that's normally from what I'm seeing today because people are living longer. That's normally between eighty eight and hundred. Wow. I know. People are living a lot longer. Could be 85 to 100. But this is when you start thinking about the next generation. But your health care expenses really can rise during this time as you get older and you need more health care. Here's where you possibly sell your home completely. And uh, I'm seeing this a whole lot with the clientele that we serve, you know, the Christian clientele. They're selling and they're moving in with the children not necessarily moving into their house, but they're taking the money from their sale and they're building a little guest house in back or something like that, or moving into a small, luxurious apartment. Sure. Okay. So they don't have any of the maintenance or expenses. I mean, they know this is what I have to pay and everything's going to be taken care of during this phase. Estate planning is important for all phases. Extremely important. I mean, I'm amazed. I was, who was, I was talking to one just yesterday and I said, have you done your estate planning yet? And they have children that are like three, six, and nine. And they still don't have an estate plan. I said, what are you going to do if something happens to your children? You need to have the guardianship set up. But estate planning during this last phase is the most important time to have estate planning. It's always important, but you want to hand off that wealth efficiently to the next generation. The next generation is not ready to get that wealth either unless they have wisdom. 
and I've done a lot of great podcasts on inheritology and on passing wealth to the next generation. If you pass wealth and they don't have wisdom, you're hurting them more than you're helping them. Wow. And got the long-term care costs. So it can be expensive during that, what we call no-go years. You know, you're not traveling and you're not spending money there, but you're spending money on all the healthcare costs. Sure, sure. And I know that you mentioned earlier that one of the most neglected points is that people often don't think about themselves. And I've heard that a lot where people won't think about estate planning for themselves because they're, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what happens to my money. I only care about my family. But really, that is taking care of your family to plan ahead and do those things. It is considering your family because I know that we've had people call up here before who have a spouse pass away unexpectedly or something like that. And they just say, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And they're grieving and there's all the things that come with that. But now they also have to think, how do I put all this together? Because I'm at a loss. And so it really is taking care of those around you. We know how to do all that, by the way, too. And we have all the packets we can give you and written information along with just advice of helping somebody like that. You know, they've lost their spouse. Now, what do I do? I I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best place is just not to start anywhere for a while because there's just so many emotions that are going high at that point. And just let things calm down for several months. It's going to be okay. You don't have to make those financial decisions right now. You can wait until the storms calm a little bit. As we know, time heals wounds. At least it's supposed to. Sometimes it doesn't. I've seen where, you know, somebody lost their spouse 15 years ago and they're still grieving. And I pray and pray for them. One of my best friends that's happened to. And so it can take time, a long, long time. But we're here to walk beside you. Well, you know, I'm thinking (laughs) we were going to go into all the parts about financial planning. I don't even know where we are. What are we at? 45 minutes or an hour today, you know, already. So why don't we do that on the next podcast? Let's make this part one and part two. Okay. And we'll come back on the next podcast that we know all about the life phases. And we'll go into the 20 to 25 pieces of the financial planning puzzle that fits within all of these life phases. So you can see how all this integrates so that, you're operating efficiently and you're doing things with wisdom and you'll have a bright financial future right now and in the future and putting everything together. Does that sound good? You think that sounds good and you are not going to want to miss that podcast. I mean, I could just spend hours looking at our website, reading about them because there's so many great resources on there. I'm excited to do that. And let's put this all on our website today about the phases. Okay. Let's do that. We'll make sure and do that. Go to the website to christianfinancialpodcast.com. You can also go to ciswealth.com and go under financial planning. That's what we're going to be discussing next week and see all the areas of financial planning. Yep. People are amazed that there's that many pieces of financial planning. Mm-hmm. A lot of them would just think of it as getting out of debt and doing some retirement planning. There's a whole lot more than that. But today, like I said, with technology, it integrates it all and it's just it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is. Now, I know I get excited about some things that like people are like, yeah, and you're weird. You know? <laughs> but I do know finances. By the way, if you ask me who the hottest entertainer is or what movie's playing, I'm like, I don't know that. <laughs> but you ask me about finances, I know that. Yeah. So, because that's what my, you know, about finances and the word of God, those are the two things that I know a lot about. Sure. So. <laughs> those are good things to know. Well, thanks, Bob. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to y'all later and then we'll catch you next week's podcast.
That's all for now. We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, or Stitcher. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ciswealth.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA, CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional.